Hello, and thank you for tuning to Fire and Rain Ministries, where fire purges and rain washes. Today, we have an exciting word to share with you from Apostle Allison J. Cross, and we know that you will be encouraged by what you hear. So sit back and relax, and remember, she has a word for you from the Word. Hi, and praise the Lord. This is your host today, Apostle Allison J. Cross of Fire and Rain Ministries. And I tell you what, God is a good God. And today, I, um, I started a series on um, the battle of the mind. And this is actually part two of that series. And I tell you, it's, it's going to be an awesome, awesome series because <clears throat> how many of you know that stuff starts in our mind it literally starts in the mind and the enemy if he can he'll try to get you to move away from god move away from christ uh get out of the kingdom to do what he wants you to do just to give a quick synopsis of what i talked about on part one i didn't live it but we talked about the fiery darts of the devil the fiery darts of the enemy we talked about, you know, our focal scripture is first, uh, excuse me, second Corinthians 10, uh, three through five. And it says, though we war, excuse me, though, <clears throat> for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So that's our focal scripture. And we talked about um, in the last segment in part one, we talked about how Paul warned the Corinthians not to be ignorant of the wilds of the devil or the, the devices. So we don't want to be ignorant to the devices of the enemy. We, want, we talked about why Satan attacks a person's mind. Why does he attack our minds? The enemy attacks our mind because... He doesn't want us to have the mind of Christ. And God bless you guys uh, that are coming in. And then we talked about the fiery darts of the enemy. We talked about Satan's strategy in part one in the battle for the mind. We also talked about how the enemy causes us to question the authority of God. If he can get you to question God's authority and what God is saying, then like he did Eve, in the Garden of Eden, it, it, is, it will be easy to fall away because all of a sudden that seed has been planted in your mind against the Lord. Amen. And so we don't want to question God's authority. We don't want to, we don't want to question his word. It's okay to search a matter out, to search the word for understanding. But when the enemy has you literally or someone has you um, questioning the word to the point to where you no longer believe what the word is truly saying, that's a problem. We talked about uh, don't give place to the flesh. We also talked about in the first session um, how the enemy blinds the minds of unbelievers. And we use the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 for that. Um, now, one of the things that I want to, excuse me, should have turned that off. One of the things that I want to uh, talk about today is <clears throat> when the enemy begins to blind the mind of someone, a believer or even a non-believer to keep them from coming and accepting the glorious gospel, whenever the enemy begins to try to blind the mind 
of someone, it can it can lead to a lot of different things. It can lead to to depression. So um, the enemy doesn't want us to be happy. He doesn't want us to be full of the joy of the Lord. So he'll try to cause a person to become depressed. And we're talking about the battle of the mind. This is part two. And when you look at someone being depressed, what does that mean? It means to be downcast, sad, discouraged, or low in spirit. And we've all had moments when we're sad or we're not feeling the best or something happens and we get discouraged, but we don't want to live there, people. We don't want to live there. Do not allow the enemy to trick you and make you think that you have to live in a sad, depressed, lonely state. And it also includes feelings of despair, despondency, and, you know, depression can lead to so many things. It can lead to so many things, okay? All right. And then so and so the enemy, what will he do? He will literally try to use the circumstances of life to lead to depression. OK, loss, suppressed anger, low self-esteem, unfulfilled expectations. The enemy used all these things to lead to depression. When you look at Proverbs chapter 2410, we're warned about feigning. It says, it talks about feigning in the day of an adversary, adversity, or becoming troubled or distressed about circumstances. You know, I would say today, the day that we live in now, it is really a day of adversity. It is really, can be, has the potential to be a distressing time and things like that. It really does. You know, so the enemy is trying to battle us for our minds, right? Do you know that depression can be caused by negative attitudes or by people around us that Satan is using? When you look at Deuteronomy 128, now this is really interesting. Check this out. If God's people admitted that our brethren have discouraged our hearts, think about that. It says our brethren have discouraged our hearts. And so what does that tell us? That tells me that I need to surround myself with like-minded kingdom people. I'm not, I'm not hanging out with the glass half empty crowd. Okay. Do I love people? Absolutely. Am I going to hang out and allow what they got going on to get in my spirit? Absolutely not. You are the company you keep. If you hanging around somebody who tripping, dipping, cussing, fussing, doing all type of foolishness, you'll find yourself doing it. That stuff will rub off on you if you're not careful. If you're not being an influence to that person, that person is going to influence you. Okay. And then also we read in Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. It says that the soul of God's people was much discouraged. Now, when we look at that, King David often reflected on discouragement. And in his Psalms 69, uh, Psalm 69, go back and read that Psalm 69. And the apostle Paul also had times when he wasn't up mentally up to the best. Second Corinthians 1, 8. What does it say? It says, for we would not brethren have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength in so much that we despaired even life. So it happens, but we don't live there. And if we don't conquer the, what's trying to conquer us, and the only way we're going to conquer it is through the word of God and stand in the presence of God, 
if we don't uh, conquer depression and the, when the depression tries to hit, it can lead to satanic oppression by, you know, satanic spirits. And this is a deeper form of depression where the enemy gains a more restrictive power over your mind. So we have to look at that and say, you know what, Lord, I know today I'm not feeling the best. I know that there's stuff going on, but you know what? I trust you and I give you the praise anyway. You know, you can praise your way up out of situations. You can praise your way up out of what the enemy is trying to do for you mentally. Get in the word and begin to rejoice and give God thanks for what he's already done. What he's already done. We don't want to become discouraged. See, the enemy, if he can discourage you, <clears throat> what does that mean? It literally means without courage. And he wants to discourage you because if you're without courage, you're going to be ineffective in warfare. The Bible goes back and it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If the enemy can get you discouraged, you're not going to want to do any warfare. You're not going to want to pull down any strongholds. The enemy, if he can get your mind, he'll try to get you to withdraw and, and shriek back and he, uh, be, you know, not around people. And the purpose of this strategy of withdrawing is to isolate you from the rest of the body of Christ. If the enemy can get you isolated. Now, the Bible already said that forsake not the assembly, right? One with another that we're to come together. But if the enemy can isolate you, he will literally be able to control your thinking and your mind because there's no checks and balances. There's, there's no continuous word flowing in. There's no fellowshipping with the saints. You're not getting that encouragement. It's something about going to the house of God, being around the true saints of God and, and hearing an on-time word sitting there. I get up on the front row. <laughs> you know what? I, I love the front row because I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to see nobody coming to church. I want to be right there in the front so I can hone in on what the, the, the pastor is saying. I can get everything I get because it's going to help me that week. But if the enemy can get you secluded, withdrawn, isolated from the rest of the body, he has an inroad. He potentially has an inroad. And, you know, we function together in ministry as a body, right? Withdrawal, leaving the house of God it makes you non-functional, non-functional as a body. If my leg left my body, I'd be hopping around <laughs> on one leg. If my arm left my body, I'd just be using one arm to do what I need. I, I couldn't even pick up something with two hands because I need both hands. I need both eyes to see correctly. Don't let the enemy trick you into leaving where God has placed you. Bad, bad mistake. Bad mistake. Don't do it. Now, we're talking about <clears throat> the battle of the mind, okay? And what is your motive for ministry? What is your motive for doing what God has called you to do? A motive is your reason for doing something. We all have a motive for doing something, whether it's right or wrong. We are, we have motives. And so motives are important because although man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart, right? When you look at 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, 
or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, okay? For man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. You can't look at people and sum them up by what they look like. You can't throw people away because of what you think they look like or what they need to be doing based on what you thought. God looks on the heart. And if we have the heart of God, when we see people, when we look at people, we'll see them through the lens of Christ and not through what we, our natural eyes see. Our natural eyes will literally deceive us every time if we are not walking in the spirit. Okay. And so, you know, many people enter ministry, Christian ministry for the wrong reason. They see the hype, they see the crowds, they see the mega churches on, on TV and the pomp and the circumstance, but they don't know what it took to get there. They don't know, you know, when you see a person uh, with a large following, nine times out of 10, they've been in ministry already for 20 years, 10 to 20 years, maybe for, yeah, for a while. Because it takes a while to grow a healthy con con congregation. Now, I tell you what, you know, he said, well, what about the fact that, you know, the, uh, there were, you know, lots of people added to the church daily. That's very true. But I'm going to tell you something. Everybody that come to church don't come for the right reason. So we have to make sure that even when so people are going to come, they're going to be weeded out because their motives, their actions were not pure. They came because they wanted a platform. They came because, oh, they got a big church. I'm going to preach there. Uh, 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 uh. Or I'm going to start a church because that's where I'm going to get my money. You can forget that. <laughs> you can forget it. You can forget it. Don't do it. If your motive is not right for doing the will of the things of God, especially in leading people, you don't even want to get into it. You don't because you'll get in trouble. God is more concerned with our motives. Why are we doing what's in our heart? What's driving us? This is where we need to place our concern. We're talking about the battlefield of the mind because our motives, that's starting our mind. We're talking about the battle in our minds. And so we need to be concerned about our motives. We need to check our own heart. Amen. We need to literally check our own heart and our motives. And when our motives are proper, then ministry will naturally follow. When our motives are jacked up and it's, it's, we're just doing this because we want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want people to know we can preach. We want people to know that we can prophesy. Oh, I, I got a word. I can prophesy. But what is your motive for doing that? Is your motive for prophesying to someone to bring God's glory? Or is your motive for prophesying to someone to bring you glory and get you some engagers and get you some appointments when, you know, let God open the door. I'm not kicking any doors now. I'm trying to go anywhere telling anybody anything. If God don't open that door, it can stay shut as far as I'm concerned. So we want to check our motives. and. Our motives for ministry got to be right. They have got to be right. When you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 3, it said, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being Lord over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. 
So we're not doing this to get paid. We're not doing this for money. We're doing it because we want to um, guard the flock. We want to teach. We want to train. We want to make disciples. We want to help people be the best they can be in the kingdom. But you have so many people out here now that are using their gifts of prophecy and things of that nature that will literally cause people to stray away from the Lord. You know, and we have to really be careful with that. We have to be careful with that. We have to really be careful. We can't allow that to happen because God, he wants us to keep his people in alignment. I'm sorry, I was trying to do way too many things at once. <laughs> and so, but anyway, he wants our motives to be pure. He wants our motives to be right so that we can literally do what thus saith the Lord and not have all this, my word, jacked upness going on. Because you know what? It's a lot of jacked upness going on in the kingdom. It really is. And so our motives have got to be right. <clears throat> When you enter ministry, when we enter ministry, we do it willingly, not because of the advantage and benefits of the office, not as a dictator. I mean, how many people you know, leaders, you know, they, they rule with an iron fist. You know, they're like dictators. I'm like, oh, my God, calm down. You know, love the people. Love them. Don't lord over them. Don't crush their spirit. You know, don't be a prophet of doom and gloom. Now, there's times, you know, as prophets called people like in the Old Testament, they were calling people back to repentance. They weren't trying to make a name for themselves. They were uh, lifting up the name of God. Amen. And so that's what, you know, we have to do. We have to do what God says. And, you know, the enemy is so crafty. He is so slick that he will literally try and create motives for Christians. By subtly putting thoughts in our minds, subtly, subtle thoughts, little wrong thoughts that turn into motives that get in a person's heart and then become actions. And we have to be careful. We don't want to have vindictive motives and actions. We're talking about the battle of the mind again, because it starts in the mind. Okay. We don't want to have vindictive. Vind what does vindictive mean? What, what does that mean? It means that you want to get even with someone that has done you wrong or who you don't like. I've seen a lot of vindictive preaching in my days. I've been in this for a long time. And I have seen a lot of vindictive preaching. And it is not good. And you better believe God is going to judge that. Okay? <clears throat> Remember... Remember Jonah? Jonah wanted Nineveh destroyed. He didn't even want to go back. But he had a reason because there was a lot going on there that he had witnessed. But he wanted, he didn't want Nineveh to repent. He, to repent. he wanted them to be destroyed. And what did he do? Jonah ended up going, he was going to, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he ended up going where to Tarshish. He said, I'm going to Tarshish. Tarshish is as far as Maine is from California. That that was the 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 amount of miles or the distance. And, you know, if you want to look at it from a standpoint of living in the United States, how far that would have been. So he was going. In other words, he was going from one end of the country to the other. 
He wasn't having it. He said, I'm going to Tarshish. Got on the boat. And that's why you better be careful who on your boat. We better be careful who is on our boat. If you got people in your life and around you and everything is crashing and burning, it's time to take inventory. Do I have the wrong people in my boat? Am I around the wrong people? Now, life happens. God says in the Bible that, you know, it rains on the just and the unjust. But when you're looking at what happened when Jonah got on that boat, it was a wild storm. People went to throwing stuff overboard. And then here comes Jonah up out the basement. I'm just going to say the basement. <laughs> up out the bottom of the ship. It's me. It's my fault. Just cast me overboard. So, you know, but it was after they lost all their stuff. Be careful about who in your boat. Because they'll have the uh, potential to um, infect your mind infect your thoughts at one point you were believing God and, and you knew that he is more than able whatever you believe in God for and then all of a sudden you get around this person that the glasses have empty which I alluded to in the last segment uh, part one of the battle of the mind um, so the glasses have empty now you're around this negative person everything every promise of God that you have been holding on to, all of a sudden it's out the window. All of a sudden, oh, I don't believe that anymore. Well, you know, God, maybe, did you really say that by your stripes I'm healed? Did you really say that you're going to take care of my all my need according you know, to your word? Did you say that for real? I, I don't know. But guess what? We literally have to cut everything and everybody off. That's not talking right. And talking right, I mean talking the word. Because nowadays, we have to stand on the word of God. So we're talking about our mind now. You know, <clears throat> so we have to we have to get our mind right. And the only way we're going to get our mind right is in the word. You know, we can't have wrong attitudes. We can't have wrong emotions. Satan caused wrong attitudes. He causes wrong attitudes towards others. We talked about fiery darts in the last segment. He inserts fiery darts of envy, jealousy, suspicion, unforgiveness, distrust, anger, hatred, intolerance, prejudice, competition, impatience, judging, criticism, covetousness, and selfish, selfless, selfishness. These are some of the things that the enemy will literally try to insert in your mind. To cause you to think a certain way about somebody envious because you ain't got that. Well, go get it if it's for you to have. Jealousy because whatever reason. Suspicious of everything and everybody. That's the enemy. So we have to watch what the enemy is. We allow the enemy to, we can't allow him to plant anything in our mind. Amen. He also, the enemy will try to get you to have wrong attitudes of greed, discontent, not content with anything. Well, you just got blessed with a thousand dollars. Well, I'm sorry. I need a thousand and one dollars. No, be content with what you have. The enemy will try to get that attitude of pride, vanity, ego. I'm important. I'm important. Yes, we are important, but we don't want to be, you know, have pride with that. We don't want to be arrogant, arrogant. A lot, of, and one of the things that the enemy uses in wrong attitudes is intellectualism. I am so intelligent. 
that God can't tell me nothing. Self-righteousness. Wrong attitudes lead to wrong emotions. And both of these things literally stem from our thought life. It stems from our thought life. We have to bring those thoughts into captivity. We want to cast down every thought that it uh, exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. So when you look at attitudes and emotions, you know, they would, if they're wrong, they would literally render you ineffective for spiritual warfare because you, because it's too much about you. It's too much about your ego, your vanity, you know, your self-righteousness. And God is trying to get us to a point that we are warring in the spirit and not after the flesh. We have to really be careful with that. <clears throat> What does James chapter four, verse six says? It says that God resists the proud. So when a person is filled with pride, we are literally arrayed in battle against God. Think about that. Rebellion. Satan also inserts rebellious thoughts in people's minds. Rebellion, what is that? That is sinful, willful, excuse me, it's willful disobedience against God's authority. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not doing it. You can't make me do it. Oh, and guess what? You can be sitting, if somebody say, uh, sit down somewhere. I'm going to sit down, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's still rebellion. People can be quietly quietly rebellious and still have a very, very uh, heavy rebellious spirit. They'll do it, but they don't want to do it. We have to be careful of that. Rebellion also includes um, self-will, stubbornness, and disobedience because if you're rebellious, you stubborn because you won't want to do it. If you're rebellious, you self-will because it's all about me and what I want to do. If a person is rebellious, they're also disobedient because they are going to do what they want to do no matter what God has told them to do or what's required of them, what your leader asks you to do. You're going to be rebellious because I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing it. Nope. Nope. Or guess what? You'll do it, but you'll do it so half-heartedly the assignment will be taken away from you and given to someone else. We're still People are still going to give accountable for that rebelliousness. Now, remember that that rebellion was the original sin of Satan. It was. What did he say? <clears throat> His <clears throat> five statements of I will. He said, I will. What did that do? That literally demonstrated rebellion. And you can look in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 for that. And so when you see that whole I will spirit, it's a way to recognize the operating the operation of Satan uh, operating through rebellion. So we want to look at that. We want to look at that. Hallelujah. Well, you know what? It's been real, folks. And this is part two of the battle of the mind. And we're going to be coming back and talking about a few more, you know, things about the battle of mind. But you know what? Let's have the mind of Christ. You know, we want to cast down every thought, every vain imagination that exalted to, uh, self against the knowledge of God. We want to bring into captivity those thoughts if we don't bring into captivity those thoughts we're going to be in rebellion we're going to be end up in you know all type of foolishness you can go in the bible and read about all these rebellious people especially in the old testament oh my goodness it did not end well thank god for jesus
But if you rebel, you're still going to pay the price because every action has a consequence. Yes, I know there's grace. Of course, there's grace. We have grace. We have mercy. But your action still has a consequence attached to it, whether it's good or bad. Okay. So we're going to be talking about, you know, rebellion. We're going to be talking about the mind and having the mind of Christ and doing what God has called us to do. If we don't do what he's called us to do, we're in trouble. People, we are in trouble if we are not in obedience to God. Now, no one's perfect. The Bible says that, you know, we fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we sin and work out and deed every day. You know, we can think something like, oh, Lord, touch my mind, cleanse my mind, <laughs> you know. But, you know, we're going to wrap it up here. And I'm going to be back um, later on today with part three of the battle of the mind. I tell you what, this is going to, it's helping me. And I know it's going to help you as well. But I want to uh, also invite you guys to go ahead and um, download the five-fold network app. It's a brand new uh, TV streaming network that uh, the Lord has had me establish. You can find it on Roku, the Fire Stick, Apple TV, uh, iOS, and Android. You can find it on iTunes, and you can find it on the Android store. And it is being broadcast around the world, and it is phenomenal. We have people, uh, Canada just joined uh, a couple of days ago. We have several uh, viewers from Canada, the United States, Brazil, Antigua, the UK, uh, and a couple of other uh, countries that I don't remember right now, but it's phenomenal. So guys, be blessed. And you know what? Get your mind under control because your mind controls your heart and your heart controls your body. So God bless everyone and we'll see you next time. Wasn't that an awesome teaching? We look forward to you tuning in each week for more teachings from Apostle Allison J. Cross, founder of Fire and Rain Ministries. You can follow us on Facebook, Roku, The Fire Stick, Apple TV, iTunes, and more under the Fivefold Network. To contact the ministry, you can reach us at 252-764-5685 or email us at ApostleAJCross at gmail.com. God bless you and see you next time.